0: Hi everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. It's really good to be with you. We are grateful. I'm Jim and I serve as a pastor here and also the host for our experience this morning. If you're a guest, a visitor with us today, this is your first time. We're especially grateful you're here. We have a gift for you, a virtual gift card. We'll send it out to you today. Just check in with us. Thanks for doing that. Today, we're also looking forward to exploring and going deeper in our sermon series it's the second week it's called seek first and we are looking into exploring what are our priorities in life what fills us and why and what does God say to us pastor Spencer is going to lead us in the scripture today from the gospel of Matthew God has a message for us all it's going to be awesome and now as we continue to worship Stephanie's here to tell us more about what's coming up at Schweitzer
1: Hi, I'm Stephanie. We have so much going on at Schweitzer right now. A great way to keep in touch with what's happening is to sign up for our e-newsletter at sumc.co. Right now, we're in the middle of our 12 days of Thanksgiving where we're sharing on our social media things and people that we're grateful for. And we're also collecting items to fill backpacks for elementary students at Pittman Elementary, our neighborhood school. Continue to deliver items to church or bring them yourself from now through Thanksgiving. And you can find out what that complete list of needed items is at sumc.co slash 12 days. Christmas is already in the air and we're so excited as we strive to make the season safe and fun for everyone. From December 20th through the 23rd, we'll be hosting on-campus carols and candlelight services. These events will be outdoors with an option to stay in your car or gather around the stage. And then on Christmas Eve, all day long, we'll be hosting a very special online service designed for all ages. On the hour, every hour, you can tune in to watch this experience and gather with your family to enjoy Christmas Eve in a unique new way this year. With all of these upcoming plans come lots of ways that you can serve. On campus, for our carols and candlelight services, we'll need parking lot guides, greeters, beverage tent volunteers, and more. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll need hosts online to chat with our visitors all day as they attend their services. So many exciting things are happening. We want you to be a part of Christmas at Schweitzer. Find out more at sumc.co slash Christmas.
0: Thanks, Stephanie, for keeping us updated. If you're worshiping with us live, we invite you to engage through a chat feature. Say hello to your friends and others. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, we have a person and people ready to pray with you. And now let's, uh, let's worship God. Let's celebrate and worship God together. KJ is gonna lead us. Thanks KJ for leading us in worship. As we pray together this morning, I invite us to reflect and confess as we pray with God. Let's reflect on our lives. There's a lot going on in our personal lives. We can be very busy, distracted and more. Also uh, in our culture and in our world and in our nation, there's so much going on, a pandemic, COVID, an election and so much more. All these things influence us, they impact us, our interior life with God. So what's going on inside you today? How is your heart? How is my heart? So I invite us to examine ourselves, to invite God in to our lives. Wherever there is anything that's not of God, let's ask God to to remove that. And then also fill us with his Holy Spirit, his good Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Holy God and kind, kind Father, we thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you that you seek us. Come Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Have your way with us. We pray, we pray for your love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Your gentleness and goodness, faithfulness and self-control. Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Do a new work in us. That God, you can use us and our families, and our communities, our nation and world. Use us to to help you transform the world. God, shape us. us. Keep us centered and whole. And again, remove from us that anything that does not glorify you and help you create the good and beautiful world you so seek. So on this day, God, we are grateful. We are grateful for your love and care. And now let's, uh, let's pray together the prayer the Lord taught us. Long ago, let's pray with boldness and confidence in saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, And now as we come to this time of offering together, we give thanks to God for all that God gives to us. God is generous and gives and gives and gives. It's all God's. And today as we give back, we respond with trust and worship through the act of giving and obedience. And again, we're thankful for your tithes and offerings, your gifts that support and undergird the ministries here at Schweitzer coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Your gifts, for example, help support, really provide for, ministries like our youth. And today we're gonna hear from Tim Smith, who's our youth director. He's a a great guy of God, also just really leads with creativity. It's a transformative ministry here at our youth. So now let's see what Tim and the youth are up to. Hey everyone, my name is Tim Smith. I'm the director of youth ministries here at
2: Schweitzer. I just want to give you a heads up of what our awesome students here at Schweitzer are up to lately. Um, Basically, if you are ready to join us on campus, we will be here. Um, We've got Sunday morning. Sunday school started back up on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. up in the youth area. We've got Wednesday night youth ministry started back up on the first and third Wednesdays of November and December. Um, We've we've also got a big presence on social media so that if you're not joining us on campus, you can still be engaged on social media. Um, And and with that in mind, if you want to learn more about us or you want to find out more information about our youth ministry, you can check us out on our Facebook page as
0: well. We'd love to interact with you through that and uh, we can't wait to see you guys around. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for letting us know what the youth are up to. We really appreciate your leadership and your ministry. God is doing amazing things through you and the youth. You and I can continue to give by going to sumc.co slash give. Thanks for doing that. And now we're excited as Marsha Menken leads us in worship. Thanks, marcia for leading us in worship assurance is certainly a gift from god and we are grateful and now we come to a time in worship each week where we're telling stories god stories where god is showing up and interacting in the lives of of people here at schweitzer that are connected in various ways god is present and transforming and this week we're going to hear from meredith roberts who is a a woman of deep faith and compassion Meredith is a leader here at the church and in our community. So let's hear from Meredith.
3: Uh, my husband, Matt, and I have been coming to Schweitzer for pretty close to 19 years now. And over the years, I've been involved in a number of different things. I've led a lot of different small groups for adults, and most recently have been teaching in the kids' Sunday school classes. One thing I'm really grateful for is that my mother always instilled in me that scripture memory was a really, really powerful tool. Something that I have struggled with pretty much my entire life is worry and anxiety and just my thoughts getting a little bit out of control. I can come up with a million worst case scenarios for everything that could happen and can spend a lot of time living in that space. And that coupled with the fact that I um, am a bit of a doer and an achiever and I really like to control outcomes in my life can be a really, It can be a real struggle from a faith perspective because I just don't think that that's the place that we're supposed to live as followers of Jesus. We adopted our daughter, Zoe, and she is now 11 years old. And then a few years later, we uh, began the process again and adopted our son, Eli, who is now eight years old. And you know, it's funny when I go back and think about how difficult I thought the first process was and then when Zoe got home and I felt like you know I was back in control and I could tidy everything up again and then when we started the process with Eli um, things were much more difficult and much messier and the worries and the unknowns and the uncertainty greater than anything Um, we had been through in our previous experience in Philippians 4. There's a passage there where it talks about worry and in the message version of that it talks specifically about turning your worries into prayers and I find that that has been a really powerful and practical tool for me because it's something that I can do when I begin to feel um, really consumed by anxiety it's something that I can make a conscious choice in that decision to turn that worry into something productive and that being a prayer I think you know when it is difficult to give up that control it's a minute by minute thought by thought choice to give up my my thoughts of worry and anxiety and exchange those for the promises of god that are his peace and his wholeness my name is meredith roberts and this is just the beginning of my story
2: well friends welcome this morning i want to say thank you to meredith for sharing her story with us i, I love hearing these different ways that god is at work in our church so thank you meredith for sharing your story with us. These 52 stories, we're hearing 52 different people tell us about how God doesn't work in their lives. Uh, people who are connected to Schweitzer, I love it. Today, this is gonna be part two of our series called Seek First. Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And all these things will been given to you as well. If you put God's kingdom first in your life and let everything else revolve around that, Jesus has the promises that, that they're going God's gonna take care of everything else. So we seek first, to put Him first. We're talking in a series about what are we chasing after? What has first place in our life? What is our priority in life? Uh, what is it that we are going to live for? And, and what is our life going to be about? Now, this great line about seeking God's kingdom first, it doesn't just come out of the blue when Jesus says this. He, he says this as part of a, a larger sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's three chapters. It's actually the longest recorded sermon that we have of Jesus. If you've never read it, you should go read it today. It's incredible. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And really in the middle of this sermon, he's got this little section of the sermon where he talks about what comes first in life. And, and he wraps that section up with that incredible line, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. And so what we're doing in the series is we're spending three weeks as we talk about what comes first by looking at why did Jesus say this great line? What what led him to say this? Because that's how he ends this section. So we're just reading this section, adding a little bit as we go each week so that we can see what is it that Jesus teaches us about seeking God's kingdom first, about chasing after God's kingdom first and foremost. And so he starts this section off, Matthew 6, verse 19. This is what we read last week. We're going to read a little bit again and then move into some more of this um, this week. And so here's, here's what Jesus says to start off this section. Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right off the bat, Jesus starts this section. He's like, you can live your life in one of two ways. You can build a treasure in heaven kind of life One where God is at the center of your life. One where he is the reason why you make decisions and he is the one who guides you and leads you in your life. Or you could build a treasure on earth kind of life one that's about yourself and it's about living for right now and it's about living for all of the things that you can see and, and forgetting about how you were created for an eternal relationship with God. Like you can do one or the other and and this really comes down to our hearts about what kind of life are we living on the inside? Your treasure is there, your heart will be also. This is about our ambitions and our goals and our character and who we are on the inside. He goes on, we're gonna drill down on this a little bit more and, and that's what we read last week. Here's some, some more that we're gonna drill down on. Here's what he says next, verse 22. The I is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now talk about a left turn. You're like, I thought we were talking about priorities. And here we are talking about eyes and lamps and our bodies being healthy. What in the world is this talking about? Except that's actually what Jesus is exactly talking about is priority. What is it that comes first in our life. He's he's just using a first century Jewish idiom to describe this. You know what an idiom is? Idiom is is a figurative way that you sometimes describe something where you're not speaking literally. You're just kind of describing something figuratively. For instance, we might say this as an idiom. Um, it's raining cats and dogs. No, we don't literally mean that it's raining cats and dogs, but if you didn't know what that saying meant, you'd be like, holy cow, watch out, there's cats and dogs coming from the sky. It's not literally though what it means. In the same way, it's not literally meaning that if your eyes are healthy, your whole body is healthy. It's not literally meaning that the eye is the lamp of the body, but Jesus is describing something deeper here in this figurative way. In fact, this word healthy could also be translated from the original Greek as not just healthy, but also as single, like singular or or sincere. It, it, It could be translated as as what you're focused on. That's kind of the idea here. Is if your eyes are have a singular focus, your whole body's going to be healthy. Your whole life is going to be healthy. We might say it like this. If, if your eyes are focused on the prize, then your whole life is going to be healthy. That's that's the idea here. Your whole life is going to come together if you have your eyes on the right prize. In the same way, if your eyes are, are not focused and, and you're chasing after lots of different things, then then your whole life is going to be unhealthy. It's going to be disorganized. It's going to be chaotic and it's not going to come together. So it's like focus your life in the right direction. Singular focus. That's the idea here. He goes on. He's going to drill down on this some more. He says, no one can serve two masters, which is obvious because if you're going to have a single focus in your life, you cannot serve two masters. He says, either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one And despise the other. And then just to get very blunt, Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. Now the Greek for money there is the word mammon. That's actually the traditional translation of this passage. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And if you've been in church for a long time, maybe you've heard it like that. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And it's a little bit unfortunate that we translate this now as, as money, that we've updated this and, and not call it mammon anymore. And I get why we do this. I mean, money is, is more modern and it makes sense to us. Not a lot of us have like mammon laying around our house, except actually we do because the word mammon is, is broader than money. It's actually a more helpful term here. And I wish we still used it because it's more helpful to describe what Jesus is actually talking about. You see, You see, money is what's in our bank account. Money is what's in our wallets. Money is what we have invested. It's what we have saved. Money is what happens when we swipe our credit cards. But, but mammon, the idea of mammon is that it's broader than that. Mammon is like all of the things of your life. That's mammon. Mammon is, is all of the things that you fill your life with, all the stuff that is the content of your life, that is the idea of mammon. Mammon is, is what you fill your garages with. It's what you fill your closets with. It's what you fill your drawers and it's what you fill your homes with. It's the content of your life. And so you may not think you've got any mammon around, but actually we've got garages full of mammon because it's all of the stuff that we have in our life, which makes perfect sense when you think about the people Jesus was talking to. Like people Jesus is talking to, they don't all have money. Some of them do, but some of them don't. But if they don't have money, they still have stuff. I mean, it's the first century. They they may not have currency, but they they have like cloaks and tunics and I don't know, sandals and fishing boats. I don't know what they have, but they have stuff. And, And all of that stuff, that's mammon. That's mammon. It's the content of our life. And in fact, this this word mammon, it's 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 a Greek word here, mammonos, that's been translated here. But but linguists believe, I think this is so fascinating that this Greek word mammonos, it it comes from an Aramaic word, which is, by the way, the language that Jesus actually spoke when he would have been preaching this sermon, it would have been the language of Aramaic. And Matthew later wrote it down in Greek so that it would spread across the world faster in the first century. And but the Aramaic word for for mammon has a a literal meaning that is that is this. It's it's that which you trust. Mammon is the stuff of your life that you put your trust in. It's the stuff of your life that you you look to to provide you purpose and meaning, direction. It's the purpose, the stuff of your life that you look to take care of you. That's the idea of of mammon. So it makes perfect sense that Jesus would say you cannot trust, you cannot serve both God and mammon because you you, you cannot trust both. Either you are going to trust God with your life or you are going to trust all of the stuff Stuff that you have in your life. You're going to trust, uh, trust look at all the stuff that you have. and That's where your trust is going to be. Now, of course, there is a biblical word to describe when we put our trust in something other than God. It's a, it's a biblical word. You see it really throughout the scripture. Biblical word for describing when we put our trust in something other than God. And that biblical word is idolatry. And I know that's a big word to throw down here, idolatry, because if you're like me, you hear this word idolatry and you think to yourself, you know, that's, that's not something I really struggle with, idolatry. I don't think I have any statues in my life that I bow down to. And then that's, that's kind of how I think when I hear this word idolatry used is that I don't, I don't really struggle with that too much. But then I think about what Jesus is talking about here and how he's really talking about our hearts and he's really talking about what we trust in. And if idolatry are all of the things in our life that we trust in other than God... Well then that's a different question. See when I think about idolatry I, I, I think about statues and idols and things like that. I think about how when I was in seminary I took this course in Malaysia which is in Southeast Asia and I was there the very first day we were studying Christianity in a as a, as a minority culture because uh, in Malaysia there were very very few uh, followers of Christ and so we were studying Christianity as a minority culture and I went out my, my very first day I was there and I, I was went out really really early in the morning to get some coffee because I couldn't sleep and and I, I found this coffee vendor and I ordered coffee as language barrier. So, I'm, you know, I'm like a pointing at the place to try to get coffee. And, you know, when you order coffee, you expect it to come in like a paper cup with a sleeve or maybe styrofoam. And the, the coffee guy, he, he hands me my coffee, which is in like a, like a Ziploc. It's a, like a baggie. And it's got a, it's got a straw out of it. And this is not iced coffee. This is hot coffee coming to me in a Ziploc plastic bag. And he hands it to me. And I'm like, I don't want that. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't want that at all. He hands it to me. And I'm like fighting. And finally, we kind of go back and forth, just like pointing and not pointing. And, and I finally take it. And I, I'm going back to we're sleeping. And I'm, I'm taking the, this bag of coffee with me. And I'm sipping it as I go out of the Ziploc bag. And I see this family. And so the husband and wife and a couple of kids. And it's early, early in the morning, crack of dawn. And, and they're burning something in front of this... Um, looks like a really ornate dollhouse. And I'm like, this is really strange. I don't know what they're doing. I finally get back to my group and I'm like, guys, I got some weird things to tell you. First of all, look at this coffee. Second of all, like this family, they were burning this thing. I don't know what they were doing. And later I found out what they were doing was they were, they were burning this offering to, to, a, to a statue, a, a god of some sort, that, so that their, their relatives who are dead would have a better life in the afterlife. Like, so when I think of idolatry, like that's the thing I think about And and when I think about that, it's like, yeah, I don't struggle with that kind of thing. But what Jesus is talking about is not just statues and and idols. He's talking about what happens in our hearts. It's about the things that we trust in. Like, what are the things in my life that I trust in other than God? That is idolatry. It's not just what I think about my brain goes to when I hear idolatry. It's also all of the things in my life that I trust in, all of the mammon of my life that I put my trust in other than God. Author um, Tim Keller... Pastor author, he wrote this great book called Counterfeit Gods about modern idolatry. He has this great way of describing what this looks like in real life. And I want to read this to you because I think it's so it's so insightful to describe what this kind of looks like. So here, here's what he writes. He says, We may not physically kneel for the statue of Aphrodite, right? I don't have any statues in my life I kneel to. That's not idolatry. He goes on and he says, but but many young women today are driven into depression and eating disorders by an obsessive concern over their body image. That's idolatry. He goes on, he says, we may not actually burn incense to Artemis, but when money and career are raised to cosmic proportions, we perform a kind of child sacrifice, neglecting family and community to achieve a higher place in business and gain more wealth and prestige. He finally says this, he says, a counterfeit God or or an idol is anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would hardly feel worth living. Idolatry is when we take the stuff of our life, not just money, but all the content of our life, and we look at that to provide us purpose and meaning, to provide a direction, to provide us all the things that we look to from the Lord. This is what idolatry is, and this is what happens to our hearts when our trust is in the wrong place. And so in this series, what what I want to do is I want to offer some practical tools for us because because I want to give a way for us to to live um, in a different kind of way because the the truth is that your life, you're always going to have stuff in it. And as long as you have stuff in your life, I mean, you're going to have a career, you're going to have a job, you're going to have relationships, you're going to have money, you're going to have things like this, is the reality of life, you're going to have stuff in it. But so, so how do we live then with a right relationship with all of the stuff that we have in our life? H- how do we live so that all of the stuff doesn't have us, but rather we are in control of it? How do we live so that even though we may have stuff in our life, we're not looking to that stuff to provide us fulfillment and purpose and meaning and trust to take care of us? Like, how do we have a right relationship with that? So I want to get practical here. I want to give us a way of thinking about how it is that we can live with a right relationship with all of the things we have in our life. And to do this, I want to think about another biblical word. Because of the biblical word of having the wrong relationship with our stuff is idolatry. We look to that stuff to provide for us. Well, the biblical word to describe a right relationship with all of the stuff, the mammon of our life, is this word, it's stewardship. Stewardship is the right relationship that we have with all of the stuff in our life. Jesus talked about idolatry a lot. He also talked about stewardship a lot. In Matthew 25, he tells this famous story about stewardship. I want to read to you here because it's it's so insightful as you think about the right relationship that we have with all of our stuff. And here's what he says. This is um, Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. He describes the kingdom of heaven. He says, He says, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey. And he called his servants and he entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave uh, five bags of gold. Now, traditionally, that's translated as talents because the Greek word here is talanta, which is uh, where you get the word talent. It's like bigger than bags of gold, bigger than money. This is really about, about the possessions that you have in life. That's kind of the symbolism here. It's about all the things that you have, your relationships, your skills, your talents, your time, your money, all those kinds of things. So this is what this symbolizes, but in the story, it's five bags of gold. To another servant, he gives two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey and the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, gaining five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money, which has always grabbed my attention. Like, what is he thinking? <laughs> and how does he come to that conclusion? Like, like did he walk away that day burying that black gold in the sand? He's like, man, today I nailed it. I, my boss is going to be so proud of me. I crushed it today. Is that what he's thinking? Like, how in the world does he come to this conclusion that this is the right thing to do is to go bury this bag of gold in the ground? Well, verse 19 says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And I imagine at this point, the guy who had dug the hole in the ground saw all this happen. Come share your master's happiness. Well done, good and faithful servant. Here's 10 bags of gold. He's like, "Uh oh, that's not at all what happened to me. Uh-oh, this is not going to go well. Here's, keep reading, verse 22. The man with two bags of gold, he also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. So you have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come share in your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came. And I imagine that he came very slowly. I imagine he kind of shuffled his feet Maybe it has hands in his pocket. He's looking down. There's no eye eye contact going on as he comes forward with his one dirty bag of gold. He's brushing the bag off and and he comes forward and and he says, Master, he said, I know that you're a hard man. Harvesting when you're not sown and gathering when you're not scattered seed. In other words, I, I know you've got high expectations. He says, so I I was afraid, which is a clue here. You always make bad decisions when you're afraid, but that's another sermon. So he went out, so I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. So I got some good news, master. It's here still. I didn't lose it. See, here's what belongs to you. Good news, right? Well, his master replied, you, listen to this, wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. You should have done something with this. So when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags because he's trustworthy. For whoever has will be given more and they'll have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness well, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, full disclosure, I don't really know what weeping and gnashing of teeth is, but it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good. This is an incredible story where Jesus teaches us about two very important things about stewardship that I want you to catch. First, what Jesus is teaching us here is that stewardship is recognizing that everything we have in life is actually God's. Let's say it again. Stewardship is recognizing that everything we have in life is actually God's. These bags of gold that the servants have, they're not theirs. They're they're the master's. In the same way, everything that we have, everything that there is, is actually the Lord's. This is a teaching throughout Scripture. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24, there's so many places where we read about how this is all actually God's. So stewardship is is the right relationship with our stuff, all of the stuff of our life, because it's recognizing that it's not even ours. It's really His. And so if this is all actually God's, our job is not to use it on us. Our job is to manage it well. It's to manage it well. So stewardship is recognizing that that this is all God's to begin with. Everything you have in your life. Think mammon. All of the stuff of your life, it's actually God's. Every bit of it. It's all God's. And the second thing this teaches us is that God takes stewardship seriously. Like, really seriously. I mean, this story is meant to be a warning that, that God is going to hold us accountable for how we have uh, managed and stewarded the things that He has entrusted to us. I mean, it's a, it's a warning that, that we're going to be held accountable for this. So God takes stewardship so incredibly seriously. Now, I grew up in church and I can't tell you how many times I have heard Matthew 25 read in a sermon. So many times. And, and almost every time I've ever heard Matthew 25 read in a sermon, it always accompanies like a pledge card because it's usually about money. Like when we talk about stewardship in church, I grew up in church and I heard that word so many times in my life. I've always heard it about stewardship is, is, is about money and what you do with your money. About 10, I don't know, 12 years ago, my wife, Abby, and I um, started to, to, make a shift in how we talk about stewardship and think about stewardship in our life, that I'm not going to exaggerate this at all. Like I'm not saying this with any sort of hyperbole, just hear what I'm saying. We made a shift in how we think about stewardship that has transformed our life. Like it has changed the direction of our life we have made major decisions in our life based on this shift that we made in stewardship and how we think about stewardship because both of us grew up in church and both of us have heard this word stewardship mostly be about money. And about 10, 12 years ago, we, we made this shift where we started to think about stewardship as much bigger than that. We started to think about it more in a mammon kind of term, less about money, not includes money, but it's, it's bigger than money. It's about all of the content of our life. And so I remember about 10, 12 years ago, I don't remember exactly how long ago it was, but I remember we were sitting out late at night on the deck and we were talking about our lives. And Abby, probably Abby, asked this question because she's smarter and more in tune with the Lord than I am most of the time. But she asked this question that started to reverberate in our brains and our hearts. And we started to ask this question over and over and over again. And it, and it began to build in us this, this transformation that happened. And so she just started to ask this, this simple and yet difficult question, which was this, um, are we stewarding our lives well? Simple, simple question, but really difficult. And, and we started to dig at this and, and it wasn't so much financial because uh, we, we were newly married and, and, and finan- financially we were already stewarding our lives well. I mean, we thankfully, very thankfully, we, we learned tithing as, as when we were young. And so when we first got married and had no money and no possessions and no real expenses, we were tithing. And, and thankfully that, that that, uh, that discipline just continued our lives as our, as our income and our expenses grew. So like, thankfully, we weren't just talking about financially because we were doing that, but we were asking this question bigger than that. Like, are we stewarding the whole of our life well? Are we stewarding our marriage well? We didn't have kids at the time, but now we ask this question about our kids. Are we stewarding our time with our kids well? Are, are we stewarding our, our, our friendships well, our family well? Are we stewarding all of the content of our life? And one of the places it really started to drill down on us is we started to ask this question about our time. Are we stewarding our time well? Are are we stewarding the time that God has given us to serve Him? Are we stewarding this well? Are we doing the best that we can? As we ask this question and drill down on this question, we came to this conclusion, no, we weren't. Now, at the time, I'm a pastor. I'm an ordained pastor. I preach every weekend. I preach sometimes about stewardship. And I came to this conclusion that we weren't stewarding our lives well specifically around this idea of time. And, and as we began to, to think about this, we started to feel like God was stirring something within us that we needed to take a step away from what was comfortable because that's what we've been choosing and step into what was uncomfortable, which was stewardship. Because, because we wanted to, to live the kind of life that when we stand before the Lord, we're not like this guy with the one bag of gold who buried it in the, in, the, you know, in the dirt and had to come with his hands in his pocket, shuffling his feet, looking down because he's ashamed of how he's squandered that which God has given him. Rather, we, we want to be the kinds of people who at the end of our days, when we stand before the Lord, we hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so at the time we were at this church, we loved it. We, we um, had friends, we had, we had this incredible community around us. It was very comfortable. And yet we started to feel this angst within us that, you know, we only have one life to live and we need to use it to the most. And so that decision led us to, to leave that place, move to Kansas City to, to expand, to, to strive for something we felt like God was leading us to. It's like this question of stewardship. It it drove real decisions in our life about how we were managing and spending our time, our money, our relationships, what we were fostering in our lives. Because stewardship is a very practical thing that begins to be asked where we start to wonder, are we stewarding what God has given us? Are we managing what He has entrusted to us? Are we doing this well? And so today as we we wrap this up, I just wanna ask that question to you. It's a simple question, but it's really profound. It's a simple question, but it's very difficult. If you're married, this is a question you should be asking your spouse. You should be asking each other this on a fairly regular basis. Are you stewarding your life well? And I I don't mean this in one part of your life. I mean your whole life. Are you stewarding your your money well? Are you stewarding your relationships well? Are you stewarding your marriage well? If you've got kids or grandkids, are you stewarding those relationships well? Are you managing this and, 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 and stewarding this well on God's behalf because this is what he's given to you? What about your time that you have? You only have one life to live. Are you stewarding this well? And when you stand before the Lord at the end of your days, are, are you going to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or is it going to be more like you're hanging out in the back, looking down, shuffling your feet because you, you know you spent your life on yourself instead of God's purposes for you? This is the question of stewardship. It's difficult and yet simple at the exact same time. Are you stewarding your life well. You see, stewardship is the right relationship that we have with our stuff because we're recognizing this is all God's to begin with. Therefore, I'm gonna serve God and not my stuff. I'm gonna put him first and foremost in all of the areas of my life, including all of the content that I have in my life because I'm gonna seek first his kingdom. Let's pray together. And so Father, I thank you that today um, you call us to a life of purpose and meaning This is what we find in you, this is what we have in you, and we want to live to the fullest in you. Because you love us, you've called us your son, your daughter, you've given us your son, that we might have life in you. And so now we wanna look at all of our life, the simple yet difficult question to ask ourselves, are we stewarding our lives well? Are there places that we are spending our energy, our time, our money just on us, and we're not honoring you and what you have given us? And where there are those places, God, would you stir within us a sense of discomfort so that we could use our lives, every bit of our life, for your purpose. Because everything we have, we know is actually yours. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.
4: Jesus the name above every other name. And Jesus, the only one could ever say yeah, and worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. I
2: It's been so good to share today with you. I hope it's been beneficial and blessing to you. I want to say thank you to those who helped make this happen, for Jim and KJ, for Stephanie, for Marcia for sharing your gifts and leadership, for Meredith for sharing your story with us today. It makes a difference. Thank you so much. If this has been helpful for you, I want to encourage you, who could you share this with today to, to encourage someone else to put God's kingdom first? Let's share the good news which what God is doing through us at Schweitzer Is we want to include more and more people in this. And one of the best ways to do it is by sharing this content through social media, through texting, through email. It's such an easy way to do this. So who could you share this with today to include and invite to come along with you? I can't wait to share part three with you next Sunday. Have a great week.